Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. Greetings from Miami, Florida. I'm Kathy Bird, and this is Fresh Art International. We're broadcasting live from the beautiful studio at Jolt Radio. Today we're talking about art with a sense of place and how Miami, the city itself, its cultural and social environmental landscape is the creative force behind some amazing creative projects. Miami has inspired local culture makers to produce annual programs and events. Every September, the community looks forward to the temporary public art installations and performances of French projects. In December, locals watch for the street performance event known as Buskerfest. And next month, the Miami-based Borscht Film Festival takes place. Filmmaker Jonathan Cain will be calling in from New York to talk about how he got involved with the group of filmmakers that will be presenting the 2000 Borscht Film Festival this year. The New World Symphony on Miami Beach is propelling our city's newest creative initiative that revolves around a sense of place. And Jonathan is involved with that, so he'll be joining our studio guests, Cassidy Fitzpatrick and Joy Lampkin-Foster, from the New World Symphony team to tell you about what's going to unfold. To set the stage for our conversation about art with a sense of place, let's listen to a podcast episode I recorded with dancer-choreographer Hattie Mae Williams about her Miami Sites project. I'm Kathy Bird. This is Fresh Talk with American artist Hattie Mae Williams. We meet outside a coffee house in Wynwood, a Miami arts district known for its murals. Williams is a dancer and choreographer. She founded the troupe she calls the Tattooed Ballerinas. They like to perform outside traditional spaces, in laundromats, on rooftops, in parks, and supermarkets. I'm here to find out more about one of the venues she chose for her Miami Sites project. I watched your Kickstarter video, so I learned a little about the Tattooed Ballerinas. The company started in 2003. It's an interdisciplinary modern dance company that thrives on being authentic in, in yourself and how you create art. It's also challenging dancers and audiences to look at art in a different context and maybe do things and see things from a different perspective. What brought you to Miami for this project? Well, I'm from Miami originally. I went to college in New York City. I spent 15 years there, had a really awesome experience, fantastic career, and I always wanted to come back to Miami, give back to my community. Uh, that's always been in the cards. It's always been in my plans. That's the sound of the water of Biscayne Bay lapping up at the edges of the abandoned speedboat racing venue on Virginia Key, known as the Miami Marine Stadium. Cuban-born artist Ilario Candela was 28 years old and a recent immigrant to the U.S. when he created his wild design for the stadium built in 1963, made entirely of lightweight poured concrete. The modernist icon features a 326-foot-long cantilevered fold plate roof. For three decades, 
the stadium was a hugely popular gathering place, not only for power vote races, but also for political rallies, religious services, and concerts. Talking to, listening to the community, and engaging with the community, and being preeminent with that community for life. Jimmy Buffett, Gloria Estefan, Sammy Davis Jr., and the Rolling Stones came to perform on its floating stage with downtown Miami as the backdrop. All this activity came to a sudden halt in 1992 when Hurricane Andrew slammed South Florida. Though some say there was little damage to the structure, the city closed and condemned the venue. In 2008, when officials were about to order it demolished, a group of activists stepped up to form Friends of the Miami Marine Stadium. A year later, the National Trust for Historic Preservation added the stadium to its list of America's 11 most endangered historic places. While friends of the stadium never stopped working to bring the place back to life, a growing number of artists have made their way to the site, some risking arrest. Many have claimed the stadium's concrete surface as their canvas, and Hattie Mae Williams is one of them. The fact that artists are reintroducing it to the community really caught my attention. The place is uh, abandoned and it's, it's prohibited to go there. So there's that element of it too, of like how artists are going to a space that's not open yet and trying to practice their art, which I think is really interesting. We really wanted to document what's happening there at this moment. What is happening? Right, I think what's happening is that it's organically changing. Wonderful artists, visual artists, dancers, musicians, they're coming and they're reclaiming the space. The artist adds her own voice to those bringing awareness of all the creativity taking place amidst this beauty and decay. Since the stadium is off-limits, she scripted the performance to be produced as a film. Williams has support. The Knight Foundation funded the project she titled Culture Concrete. Her Kickstarter campaign easily raised matching funds. And Friends of Miami Marine Stadium are her partners. I think this space will be restored, and who knows what it will look like. Who knows if this history that we're creating will still be recognized. So it's important for us to document what's happening now, which I think is like um, a movement, actually. Four dancers and an actor are participating. And then groups of people who are supporting, filming, documenting, writing, looking at the history of what used to happen there. Because that space is really rich in history that I think people in Miami need to know about. What a good way to do it, through the arts. I'm Kathy Bird. This is Fresh Talk with Hattie Mae Williams. She and a score of other creatives are part of the movement that's brought fresh attention to Miami Marine Stadium. Though the legendary stadium is still off-limits and restoration remains in limbo, the surrounding park and basin will be the site of the 2016 Miami International Boat Show. 
Thousands will see the architectural wonder for the first time. It's the inescapable backdrop for a multi-million dollar event. I'm happy now to introduce Jonathan David Kane, who is calling in from New York City. Hi. Hello. Hi, Jonathan. We're really happy that you've taken the time to call in today, and I particularly want to talk to you today. Uh, Our subject is art with a sense of place. You're Miami-born, and you have been inspired by Miami since you first started making films as a teenager, it seems. Yeah, that's 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 true. Uh, I, actually, one of the first films I made was called Urban Shadows, uh, and it was for the Miami Children's Film Festival, and it was essentially um, just taking a camera around the city and seeing what I could capture in in the shadows of the city, uh, and and cutting together sort of like an experimental documentary piece. Uh, um, that I would submit to the film festival and screen there, and I met a lot of other young filmmakers my age who were who were uh, similarly inspired by by the city itself. And years later, I'd come to uh, work with them all uh, in, in in various capacities. Uh, um, you know, we we all believed in the idea of making. Miami stories and, 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 and telling telling these stories to a larger audience. We just didn't know how. Borscht came in there, right? The nonprofit collective with a mission to redefine cinema in Miami. Tell us about Borscht. What an interesting name for a film collective. <laughs> right. So, so uh, Borscht came about uh, of several um, New World School of the Arts uh, students Graduated from school, they were making films outside of, of uh, New World School of the Arts and sharing them amongst themselves and screening them at the Children's Film Festival, which is where I first met uh, some of my uh, future collaborators, Yara Travieso and uh, Andrew Hevia and Lucas Leva. And everybody went away to school because that's what you did. If you wanted to be a filmmaker, you went to another city and tried to make it happen there. Um, and in going to these other schools and other cities, um, everybody realized that what they really wanted to do was tell Miami stories because that's what they knew. And that's, you know, what, what was the city was mostly inspiring our output, uh, as, as artists. Um, and thanks to the democratization of media, you didn't have to go to a major hub. You could make work or anywhere in the world um, as long as you were making authentic work that told truthful stories um, you know your voice could be heard anywhere around the world so many of us moved back to Miami and uh, the Borscht Film Festival was founded and a few years later um, I, I was I was actually uh, making a documentary in Antarctica at the time and in in Asia, um, making uh, films about uh, illegal uh, capture and sale of uh, of wildlife over international borders. And um, when I came back to Miami, I kind of felt lost. I didn't know uh, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. And I was considering moving out to Los Angeles. And 
right before I made that decision, I got a random email uh, from uh, a filmmaker named Josh Miller, who was part of the Borscht Film Festival at the time, and it was to submit to a grant. Um, and I had a project that I had been uh, rewriting and working on that dealt with uh, wet foot, dry foot, and the influx of Haitian immigrants that were uh, coming to shore in you know 2007 before the before the earthquake. And I just went ahead and submitted it, and uh, I became the first grant recipient from uh, the Borscht Film Festival. We all really enjoyed working together. We formed the Borscht Corporation, and that was, geez, like almost uh, about 10, 10, 9, 10 years ago. That's pretty exciting. I think I could honestly say you're hooked on Borscht. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked on Miami, really. I mean, on, on Miami? Um, yeah. Yeah, That's there's so, so cool. many untold, interesting stories uh, um, and, and, and you know, things to explore in, in the city that are foreign to the rest of the country and just so uh, inspiring and, and, and natural to the city's residents. I mean, I think that uh, Barry Jenkins' Moonlight is a great example of the potential uh, for Miami filmmaking and the, the truth um, and, and, and beauty that uh, you can find in, in places that most people wouldn't expect to look. You guys have a 2017 festival coming up in a few weeks, February 22nd to 26th, right? That's right. Everybody's scrambling to get their films done and get these events in place. It's really exciting. Um, this is uh, Borscht Dies. Um, <laughs> every every that's, year we have that's a, the a name different... of the festival. Borscht Dies. That's right. Well, Borscht Diaz. But, yes, uh, Diaz. Um, Got it. Non, non, yeah, right. But non-Spanish speakers tend to say Dies, so we just went with it. <laughs> I attended the festival a couple of years ago at the Arts Center, uh, and I saw your Papa Machete film there, which was really cool. Uh, what can you tell uh, me about you. this year's festival? Uh, I can't say too much about this year's festival because we haven't officially announced our, our program yet. Uh, but what I can say is there are some incredible filmmakers and films that are going to be shown uh, and some really interesting events. Um, one in particular uh, features the music of um, this great band called Animal Collective uh, in, in uh, collaboration with Coral Morphologic, which is this uh, biology, marine biology slash art collective. Uh, they are a group of scientists and artists who um, focus on on our coral reef ecosystems and create these incredibly psychedelic fluorescent uh, 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 videos and, and, and photographs of uh, microscopic organisms doing the most amazing things uh, um, that we never ever get to see. Uh, so they will be creating a natural history film uh, that's going to be live scored by Animal Collective uh, and projected onto the walls of the building uh, of the New World Center, where the home of the New World Symphony, uh, America's Orchestral Academy. You're going to have to tell us where we would go for more information. 
and when? Right. You can, when are the secrets you can going to be revealed? Uh, they're actually going to be revealed uh, later on this week, so stay tuned. Uh, you can go to borschtcorp.com, B-O-R-S-C-H-T-C-O-R-P, borschtcorp.com. Uh, sign up for the newsletter, and you will, you know, the secrets will be revealed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's where they'll go to get tickets. Correct. And... Tickets, information about the festival, and um, uh, just, you know, updates on, on films that uh, are being made with the collective. That's going to be exciting. Now I want to listen to a project you're involved with as an, a filmmaker as well, the new citywide creative project that Miami's New World Symphony is about to launch. So let's hear what the invitation to this project sounds like. So that was just a hint of what sounds come from Miami. I'm Kathy Bird, and this is Fresh Art International on Jolt Radio. The little track you just heard features a few classic Miami sounds, and some we could pick out automatically, seagulls, ocean, traffic, music. And the track goes with this promotional video that invites Miamians to share their Miami story. And it poses some questions, this project of the New World Symphony, like, what does Miami sound to you? What does it look like to you? What sounds and sights represent your idea of home? And the New World Symphony wants your answers to these questions in Project 305, which is a unique citywide creative initiative. And filmmaker John David Kane has called in from New York to talk about Project 305, with studio guests Cassidy Fitzpatrick and Joy Lampkin-Foster from the New World Symphony team on this project. Cassidy, let's give them the backstory on this exciting orchestral academy, they call it. Sure. For those of you who don't live here in beautiful, sunny South Florida, New World Symphony is America's orchestral academy, as Kathy just said. And we're actually an accredited educational institution, and we have a full orchestra of fellows. These are all pre-professional musicians who have at least an undergraduate degree in music, and most of them have a master's as well. Uh, Some even have doctorates. So if you can imagine, that means that everybody in the orchestra is quite young, roughly between 22 and 32 each year. And these 87 fellows come with us to to South Beach to our beautiful Frank Gehry-designed New World Center, and participate in a fellowship program that lasts about three years. Um, And through the course of that program, they have the opportunity to work with guest conductors from every major orchestra in the world, Uh, wonderful guest soloists. We invite players from professional orchestras to come coach in South Florida and give the fellows lessons. Um, I get to work with them extensively in many different community programs and help them learn to be teaching artists. We provide them with training to keep their minds and their bodies healthy. 
Um, and the hope is that while they're with us during their three years, they will win a professional job in a symphony orchestra. And the symphony orchestra world is a little similar to academia in that most orchestras have tenure track jobs. So if you can win that audition uh, and you make it through a one to two year tenure process, you usually have a job for your whole career. Excellent. That's super cool. And I know I'm one of the locals that benefits from the New World Symphony Wallcast program. And now I think we should explain why this project is called Project 305. Cassidy, some listeners might not have made a phone call to Miami. 305 is the telephone area code, but you told me that a lot of people know 305 now. Why is that? <laughs> I thought that Pitbull, the pop singer, pop rapper, had put us on the map with Mr. Worldwide <laughs> and the 305. So I think that's that's something it, now that would ring a bell. And it's all about 305, about Miami. Who are your partners in this project, Cassidy? Who's working with you? Well, we hope that everybody in Miami-Dade will be our partners in this project. Uh, we really want submissions from as many residents of Miami-Dade County as possible. Um, but particularly from my angle as Community Engagement Director for New World Symphony, uh, I'm working very closely with Joy and my other colleagues to make sure that we reach populations who might not otherwise have access to a smartphone or to our website uh, to make sure that everybody is really aware of this project. And for me, that's populations of young children, students, the homeless, people who don't have the capableness of making their own submissions. Uh, and so we've partnered with some wonderful organizations like Zoo Miami, uh, the Overtown Youth Center, public and private schools, um, lots of museums and cultural institutions around the county. So we're going to hear some animal sounds from the zoo, maybe. We hope so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I understand that the inspiration behind this is it comes from uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Media Lab and a project by Todd Macover, who's an amazing, innovative composer and inventor that started this idea for a city symphony that has sparked communities in Detroit, um, Toronto, Perth, Australia, Luzerne, Switzerland, to generate their own city symphonies. And I thought we could hear a little excerpt from the Toronto Symphony just to see what that city did with this opportunity. Texture. 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 Texture.
So that was what you might hear if you were sitting in the Symphony Hall in Toronto to hear the City Symphony they produced with a combination of sounds of the city and an orchestral score. And Jonathan, that that's where you come in again as the filmmaker. What will make Miami's version of the City Symphony really unique? We're really excited to, to reach as far and wide as we possibly can to every nook and cranny of Miami-Dade County and ask the people of the city itself what they think they look and sound like. What what does their city look and sound like? I want to know, you know, what the cacophony of birds that fly by your window every afternoon look and sound like. I want to know your grandfather's thoughts on the local chisme. What does your water sound like? What does you know, your, your, your mother look like, what does your, your local basketball game, uh, uh, look and feel and sound like, uh, I really want to know what your city experience on a day to day is. I think we're all very curious to know and to create this map of, uh, of, of the city and sound and sight and, and so let that be a lasting archive of what the city is and was in 2017. Um, I, I think it's, it's important. We're, we're, we're a city that uh, uh, I think is one of the youngest cities in the, the country. Um, many of our municipalities are just celebrating their 100th anniversary. And um, it's only until recently that we've really emerged as a major metropolitan. And I think a question that's on the mind of a lot of our citizens is, what does it mean to be a Miamian? What is the identity of Miami? And I see this project as an opportunity for us all collectively to define that identity uh, for ourselves and to, to not let some outside uh, perspective of media uh, um, define it for us. And, and so uh, with that in mind, with this idea of, of, of collectively defining our own identity, I, I ask every uh, man, woman, and child listening to the program and, and, and uh, living in the, in the city of Miami uh, to please go to Project 305, uh, our, our website, download the application on your phones, and show us, let us hear, let us see uh, what the city of Miami is to you, uh, and, and please participate collectively uh, in this creation of public art. I think uh, you'll all be very excited to hear and see the results, and we'll all be very proud of the work that we make together. I wanted to add something. I think one of the things that makes this project different from the Toronto project or the other city projects is that we're incorporating a video element for the first time, which is obviously the wonderful work that Jonathan's going to do for us. Um, But the New World Symphony wallcasts are concerts that New World Symphony live streams on a giant wall outside of our New World Center that are free and open to the public. Uh, and so when this work premieres, there will be a free presentation in the park outside of New World Symphony. Um, and that's definitely a new feature of a city symphony and something that we're very proud of. So if you're interested in the wallcasts in general, we have them about once a month. You can look online and see the schedule. Um, but that's, that's really something that sets this project apart. Yes, I agree. The The idea that we're showcasing the richness and diversity of Miami, 
but also in this incredible setting, the Soundscape Park, where Wallcasts take place, has a state-of-the-art surround sound environment that makes any experience of uh, a concert or a film or a sound art piece as those that came to us during Art Basel last December, a completely unique experience of public space, sound, and and vision or video or film, any of those areas. And I think that Jonathan uh, crowdsourcing this, uh, taking the lead to to facilitate the crowdsourcing of the submissions is just going to be so exciting in, in uh, coordination with Joy, of course. I'm sure you're going to be getting some stunning, amazing sounds that you wouldn't have even thought of. We are, Kathy, and I just have to say I'm so excited about this project because, as Cassidy was saying, we're adding this really amazing visual component, and we're so grateful to have John, you know, with us on the project because, obviously, of his brilliance and talent, being able to kind of guide and facilitate Miamians in that process of pulling out and kind of identifying in Miami what are those really beautiful and complex visuals that need to be accompanying all the wonderful sounds that we're, that we're also going to be identifying through this project. Um, and as Cassidy was saying, we're going to be, um, you know, really leveraging New World's um, multimedia capacities to really bring those visuals to the forefront with this project. Um, but one of the other key elements of this project is the fact that it really is all about community and and, and us really kind of figuring out how do we take this project um Uh, out from the beach and into the larger parts of Miami-Dade County. So one of the things that I am uh, very vigilantly working on right now is identifying various venue partners in the community that we can actually um, connect with and figure out how do we show this and screen this work that Miamians are creating in their actual communities. So, um, you know, that's something that is very important to us for that no matter where you are, whether you're able to easily get to the beach or not, that you're still able to see the work that you helped create. I was thinking it'd be great to talk about who will actually be involved in creating the final work, Jonathan. You're you're the film piece of it, and there's a composer that's joining in this project, Ted Hearn. That's right. Yeah, Ted and I, uh, Ted and I are collaborating, uh, and I'm so happy to be working with such an amazingly talented composer. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it's interesting. the The process has been very much a collaboration. I was, I was uh, concerned when I first uh, uh, signed on with the project that it would essentially just be uh, um, a composer, uh, you know, making, write, writing a symphony and then handing it to me and, and then uh, me having to add visuals to, to that and there not being this, this collaborative uh, uh, dialogue. Um, but right off the bat, Ted Hearn has been really, really, really interested in making this together and there being this, this uh, collaborative spirit for the work so that it feels and, and looks and sounds like one entity instead of two, uh, uh, two separate art pieces that happen to be uh, uh, being presented together. And, and so I'm really appreciative, appreciative of that. And also uh, Todd Macover has been uh, really inspirational and, and wonderful to speak to about the project. And, and uh, uh, we're so lucky to have him involved in the creation of this because he's uh, done similar things in, in other cities before. So he just is a, is a wealth of, of information and knowledge and having 
uh, uh, MIT uh, helping us with the design of the application uh, has been really exciting as well. So, um, it, you know, there's really so so many pieces uh, to the project and so many uh, um, uh, collaborative partners in this, uh, which is just very exciting. And I was reading that, of course, the New World Artistic Director and co-founder Michael Tilson Thomas will also be involved in the overall artistic direction and that's going to be amazing, yeah. right? It, it's been amazing. Uh, uh, working with MTT is just uh, a delight. Um, he is insightful and enlightening, and I value every conversation uh, I've had with him about this project and beyond. Uh, he, he's just really uh, wonderful uh, to be working with this team, truly. I thought maybe this would be the moment to talk about the specifications for what, what you're inviting for people to send in, what kind of sound clips, is there certain length or uh, sound, just a quick introduction. I know there's going to be details on the website and a lot of promotion of this, but just to give people an idea if they're already thinking, like, I think I'll send in my uh, 30 minutes of bird calls. I don't know if you want 30 minutes of bird calls. But uh, what what would give give a few I, a quick idea of what you're looking for and length of file type of file that you hope to receive? I mean, honestly, thirty thirty minutes of bird call sounds very peaceful, and I would actually I think like to listen to that. So if anybody does have thirty minutes of like native Florida Floridian uh, bird calling, please sure, why not? Ted and John did uh, pledge to watch everything, so just we're going to hold them to that. Yeah. So please, just you know, send everything. Yeah. Send what, well, well, send so what you like. <laughs> I, I did say I did say audio. So uh, I, audio clips. Uh, uh, I believe there's no no uh, real time on it too, but video clips. I think because of the uh, heavy data load, uh, I think we limited video clips to about two minutes, or or we'd like uh, uh, two minute clips. Um, to be sub to submitted when, when it comes to video, um, but you know any and all file formats uh, we're okay with. Obviously, um, you know to get technical, you know MI MOVs or or or, or wave format for uh, uh, video and audio uh, are preferable. But honestly, we'll take you know your cell phone recordings. We'll take uh, old. In uh, uh, you know, a 16 millimeter film or 8 millimeter film, if you have it transferred and able to upload, I'd love to see some historical footage of, of the city, particularly uh, personal uh, 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 historical footage that might not be in archives. Uh, I think that'd be really interesting to sort through. Um, yeah, and 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 really, like 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 we're saying earlier, just to show us your city, um, however you interpret that. Uh, we're interested to hear and see it. Um, we have a 100-day submission period uh, that launches on the 31st of January, and you can go to www.project305.org uh, for more information and to uh, upload your clips, or you can download the Project 305 app, uh, which is available for iOS and Android uh, beginning January 31st. We'll let Joy run through this one more time. Yep, absolutely. John covered it. Um, the main thing to know is that uh, we want everyone to feel invited to participate in this. It doesn't matter um, who you are, what neighborhood you're from, how old you are. Feel uh, 
very welcome to participate in this. This is all about Miami. And even though New World Symphony, you know, is facilitating this project, this is your project, Miamians. And I know that, Kathy, you have a very diverse and um, international audience. So if you are originally from Miami and you're listening somewhere else, you are also welcome to participate in this. And we want you to feel um, very much a part of this. Um, if you have any questions or want to know more about how you can participate or um, are having trouble participating, please, you can contact me directly. Um, Project 305 at nws.edu would be a wonderful way to get in touch with either myself or one of my colleagues. Uh, so we're here for you. This is a very collaborative and accessible program uh, or project, rather. And um, if you are interested uh, in being a partner, we really want you to, to feel welcome as well. This is very collaborative for us. We have many partners already, but we're looking for more. If you're a nonprofit organization or a cultural institution or an art artist or an arts institution, reach out to us because we want to hear from you. We want to hear your creative ideas about how we can make this project um, even better than it already is. Uh, for us, this is as much about uh, connecting and sharing and creating together as it is about the actual product itself. I'd say also teachers, people who run after-school programs or adult education programs or senior education programs, we're really interested in talking to you. Um, we're, again, really lucky with some great partners like the Jewish Health Systems Residences, Lotus House Shelter has come on board, and we're looking for any organizations who think it would be a benefit uh, to to participate, but also that it would be fun. And that I have to say, one of my favorite parts about this project so far is just getting to know my colleagues at all these different organizations. It's really brought us together already. And I can't wait to see what happens when we get to show the work that we have all made together. So just to repeat, uh, Jonathan, what you were saying that the call for submissions is a hundred day window of opportunity from January 31st to May 12th. And uh, you were mentioning there's going to be a project app available for people to use. Yes. So there'll be the, the 30, Project 305 app. Um, as John mentioned, that's going to be available beginning next week. Um, so be on the lookout for that. It'll definitely be available for, for iPhones uh, by next week. Um, and then we're also rolling it out for Android as well. Uh, so we created that with in conjunction with MIT Media Lab because we wanted to make this as simple as possible for people to quickly record and send us submissions. So if you're out walking in you know, your, your neighborhood park or if you're at a restaurant or if you're just with family and you want to capture a moment, pull out your app, and you can immediately record and send to us on the spot. Um, so that's one of the ways that we're trying to make this as easy for people as possible. Um, after the 100 days, our lead artists, John and Ted, are going to come together and collaborate and, and really find inspiration from all the submissions that were given and, and use those to create the work, uh, the final piece that will be premiered at New World uh, Center in October of 2017. So there will be plenty more information about that coming. So stay attuned uh, at www.project305.org. And please be sure to uh, get involved uh, on social media uh, by looking at our Facebook events page uh, at New World Symphony and also uh, by using the hashtag Project 305. That's the way that we're really going to be tracking everyone's submissions and everyone's thoughts and creative ideas uh, and also the, the events that are going to be occurring around the project throughout the 100-day period. This is all super exciting. And I want to thank uh, Joy Lampkin Foster and Cassidy Fitzpatrick. John David, thanks for calling in. Uh, thank you for joining me in the studio today. 
Thank you. It's Kathy. been really fun. Thank you for having us. Great. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's been a pleasure. Uh, very, very excited and happy to talk to you about this project. And now that we're talking about sound and video, um, and we're all inspired to participate in Project 305, I want to share another podcast episode that I recorded with Miami artist Frankie Cruz. And the night I recorded with him, I had to jumpstart his car, follow him down the road on a skateboard, and uh, have our conversation interrupted with... A very loud train. So I captured a few Miami moments myself, and we're going to share those now with an episode uh, featuring Frankie Cruz. I'm Kathy Bird. This is Fresh Talk with Miami-based artist Frankie Cruz. Here's the soundtrack from his everyday life. His car that sometimes doesn't start. His skateboard, Frankie's preferred mode of transit. Music coming from the open doorway of a shop across the street from his studio. And bells announcing the train that passes every hour outside Spinello Projects, the art space in a neighborhood known as Little River, Miami's newest art district, where Frankie shows his work. Frankie Cruz was born in the Dominican Republic. He grew up in Hylia, Florida. Hylia, he tells me, is a Native American Cherokee word, meaning the beautiful prairie. These days, not many people would expect to find a prairie in this busy suburb. The artist would much rather talk about nature than culture. His art is all about observing and responding to what he discovers in natural environments. Spinello Projects has become the laboratory where he tests some of his theories. Here and in his studio 20 blocks away, Frankie has been conducting a creative experiment for months. Some of the results are on view in his exhibition titled Sistema, or System. The inspiration for his current research sounds like a scene from a science fiction movie. Right now I'm interested in watching these little creatures go from these insane, chubby, little sluggish consumers and go through this, like, miraculous metamorphosis where they digest their own bodies and, in a very sci-fi way, break open their back skin and peel their old bodies off and go into this state, into this chrysalis state, into this pupation, and become these beautiful gems to then later break out of that shell sometimes and come out this, this whole other creature. He's describing the life cycle of a butterfly. Here's the backstory. Two years ago, Frankie visited a monarch butterfly colony during a road trip with a friend along Coastal Route 1 in California. The winged creatures completely captured his imagination. Fast forward to last October, when gallerist Anthony Spinello asked the artist to stage a performance for the opening of his new gallery space in Little River. Frankie went into high gear. 
I started researching it online and I landed on this video of this guy Chris from the Monarch Foundation, Live Monarch Foundation, doing butterfly wing repairs. I didn't know that you could even touch a butterfly's wings, let alone do a butterfly wing repair, and who would go out of their way to even capture and repair a butterfly, you know? The empathy there is... Unbelievable. <laughs> is unbelievable. It, needs, it needed to be shared. This was just the beginning. All of these objects involving butterflies are the remnants of my research for this performance that I did November 25th here in the gallery, which was to repair the wings of the butterfly. The performance was called One Fifth of an Ounce, which is what a butterfly weighs. And it was, I did four butterfly repairs. I was in the transparent greenhouse. I was also raising caterpillars in there. It went from a performance to becoming a laboratory installation, almost residency, where I, to, I kept coming back and working. The exhibition grew from his research online and his discovery of a secret monarch butterfly colony in his hometown. Let's talk about what people would see if they came here a month ago for the opening of Sistema. There was a certain experience of life in the gallery. Yeah, during the opening there was some live chrysalis. And there were live caterpillars. There were live caterpillars and eggs, so... After the opening, butterflies emerged and the whole process started again where the caterpillars hatched from the eggs and ate the plants up and became chrysalis and then became butterflies. So that process did happen here. So I believe that the objects are, are the most beautiful when the chrysalis is alive, right? It's like this jade, it's jade, this beautiful jade, and like has this metallic gold detail. The poetry is not there till the butterfly emerges and leaves the remnants almost like the props to this performance. The project is more about facilitating than art making. It's not my process to control, you know, it's an already existing process that I just happen to kind of derail and have it come through the filter that is my dialogue, you know. Mm -hmm. But really, it already exists. It's all about empathy. For all creatures, not even necessarily about the butterfly, even though I think it's a very miraculous and magical and amazing creature that does a 2,000-mile migration, and this specific butterfly lives anywhere from six months to a year. It's amazing. What was your biggest discovery about yourself as an artist through this mm. project? To never let go of that childlike curiosity. This interest in the butterflies and in these insects is really me revisiting these ideas of, that I had as a kid, these interests, these very childlike interests that I seem to have gotten away from. Something that was already inside of me, right? This interest in our natural world and everything that comes out of that, all the architecture and geometry that comes out of, out of that and all the magic that, I, that exists out there. So what do you think this project will lead you to? Questions. Unanswered questions. I'm getting a microscope. I'm going to take a closer look. Taking a closer look at everything. I'm Kathy Bird. This is Fresh Talk with Miami-based artist Frankie Cruz. 
I'm inspired by his lyric performance and exhibition. Even in the city, an entire world can be hiding in plain sight. Frankie encourages us to slow down and watch for the wonders just outside our doors. Look closely. You might witness the birth of a butterfly yourself. To read more about Frankie Cruz and his naturalist projects, visit freshartinternational.com. I'm Kathy Bird, and this is Fresh Art International on Jolt Radio in Miami, Florida. On our show today, we've been talking with the New World Symphony and their team about art with a sense of place and this amazing project that invites you to share the physical and emotional character of Miami, the sounds and sights that you experience in the everyday, uh, to create an amazing city symphony of Miami. If you'd like to know more about the project, Joy? Go to project305.org. If you like what you're hearing today, please let us know. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram at FreshArtINTL and Jolt Radio. Thank you for listening. Join us every Wednesday morning for Contemporary Art Talk. <laughs>